It's the show that makes us talk. What do you call a monkey with an Amazon account? I don't know why. A primate! <laughs> what about our life? With Chris and Will. episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. How are you? Hi! That was the amazing oldie song, The Hollywood Stump by Victoria S. Mm. Yes, giving you a little bit into what our show is today. It's all about Hollywood legacy and, of course, the best moments of Chris and Will because this is our season finale part one. Yeah. And we have an amazing guest with us later in the show. Um, means a lot to us, I guess, in a little ways, because we we grew up with her, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, let's go into Hollywood legacy. Let's talk about Hollywood legacy. Do you remember the very first time that we went into Hollywood? Yes. And what was your thoughts? Wow. <laughs> wow, I think was the understated word. Yeah. You know, I love the history side of Hollywood Boulevard in general. I mean, you have the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And you have the Grauman's Chinese Theater. And, of course, you have, um, I still call it the Kodak Theater, but it's the Dolby Theater. Yeah. uh, Where they do the Academy Awards. But the thing of it is, there's a lot of old theaters that are still on Hollywood Boulevard that are really not well taken care of. The new owners have gutted them in, turned them into um, nightclubs, porn things. It's kind of bad. But those theaters have a lot of history into it. A lot Mm -hmm. of greats have been performed in those theaters, were discovered in those theaters. Mm -hmm. But you still have the the Pangees Theater. The Pantages Theater. The Pantages. I don't know why I call it Pantages. But the Pantages Theater and El Capitan. You still have those Uh two um, theaters. But Hollywood Boulevard in general has a lot of history into it. And um, they still have uh, Mel's Diner. Yeah. Still around there. And there's a lot of memorabilia in there when you walk inside and you see all the stuff on the walls. Yep, and- absolutely. And mm-hmm. then, then, what is it? Uh, the Max Factor Factory or? Max Factor, yeah. Yes, that's still the old makeup legend is still mm-hmm. over there. Yep. As well. um, I don't think it's there anymore, but the building is still there. The building there. is still the, there. Um, you know what I'm thinking about? Is it uh, Capitol Records? 
Yeah, Capitol Records. I don't know if they've moved out of there, if they're still in there, but yeah. uh, Capitol Records building is still there. There's a mm-hmm. lot of history on Hollywood Boulevard, so that's a good um, legacy to have. Yeah. I think the first big thing for us was when we went to the studios and we would first walk into the studios and, instead of a guest and we're actually working on the lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one studio that's in Culver City. I can't remember if it's the Culver City Studios is what it's called. I think that's what it's but called. But it's the entrance of it is a big build. It's a big house. It's like an old plantation. Yeah. That plantation was used in the movie Gone with the Wind. Oh, okay. Yes. The fire scene, actually, of Gone with the Wind. Is that the is now Sony Studios? No, it's still the Culver City Studios. Okay. The Sony Studios, I believe, is the old MGM Columbia Okay. Studios okay. or the or TriStar, I think, is somewhere in there yeah. as well. That's the old those studios, but Sony Studios is where they film um, Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Fortune, yeah. and uh, Jeopardy, which shares a soundstage, by the way. Yeah, they do. And remember when we walked past the Wheel of Fortune stage and we saw the gigantic um, <laughs> um, the the things that they put on the wheel, the numbers, yeah. the, mo- the money numbers. That was funny. Mm-hmm. So, what would you have to say the the most infamous television production you've ever worked on? Wow, television now. Okay, well, Hannah Montana, a big one for me. But I would say, gosh, I mean, there were several of them. There were ones that um, at the time we didn't even, you know, they were just in their pilot. Um, yes. They were just starting up and just being a part of it was great. Um, hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long, that was a long, work. long, and that, that was a, Fox that was a game, game show. show, but it yeah. was, it was filmed at CBS television studios. I think in CBS Radford, I think it was, Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, is where it was filmed. And in fact, that was also the same studios that filmed uh, Gilligan's Island We've talked about this before, Mm -hmm. that they used to have an island that they filmed Gilligan's Island on. That island is no longer there. It was Mm -hmm. also the studios where they filmed uh, Roseanne. Right, yeah. And in fact, I've been in that stage because when I worked on that 70s show, that 70s show actually filmed inside the old Mm -hmm. Roseanne stage. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So for me, I'd have to say the most infamous television project ever worked on, gosh, uh... I would have to say it would have been CSI New York. That's right. Yeah. Those CSI New York, all my scenes were all on location. They were never in the stage or better yet house. Yes. 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 I do remember going into that stage. Um, I can't even remember what studio that was. Was house. I think house house was Fox studios. I think so. And then one of them was filmed on location. Too. Yes. I did it on location with that. Yeah, that's right. It was Fox studios because, um, that is also where we filmed How I Met Your Mother. That was at Fox Studios. Yeah. I do remember that. That yeah. was at uh, Fox. But that yeah. would have to be my most infamous one, other than Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. And yeah, Warner and that gazebo. <laughs> yep. Us wearing those coats. Uh, we've done, I've done two productions with Ashton Kutcher mm-hmm. and The Ranch that was at Warner Brothers. And then, um, gosh, what was the other one? Um, um misguided yeah that's what it yeah. was we did that with him mm-hmm. too misguided we filmed on location yeah and on location basically means that that is not at the studio or the soundstage 
they actually rent out a house or a park or a property, a public place, mm -hmm. and uh, we film it. That's what an on-location is called. The others are done in a soundstage. But when you talk about Hollywood legacies, what else comes to mind? Who do, who do you think is a Hollywood legend? Lucille Ball. I mean, of course. We've but we've said that, that before. But Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. I mean, Clint Eastwood. Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Richard Chamberlain, remember when we had lunch with Richard? We've talked about that <laughs> yeah. before, too. Mm -hmm. Dan Aykroyd. I've worked with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Uh, wonderful man. Uh, Ghost Whisper. Yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt, because I remember that one. Mary J. Blige was guest starring on that particular yep. episode. So, yes. Um, then I did... Uh, I did a few episodes of Clean House with Kelly Williams from uh, Family Matters. Yeah. Love mm -hmm. Kelly. Haven't spoken to her in a while, but um, yeah. And then the prop houses. Remember, we would have so much yeah. fun going into the <laughs> prop houses. It was like us just running through, like, I don't know. It was know. a field of junk. It was all kinds of stuff from mattresses to just cups to glasses I mean, to I've, forks. Everything you can imagine. It's like four, five-story buildings and, and it's, it's not just this tiny little space. It's like, yeah, it goes on it, it's so, and on. It's on and, and on. It's so interesting. If you ever get the chance to go to a prop house or a wardrobe house or whatever they call it, <laughs> go. It's so yeah. interesting. You actually get to see those in the tour when you go to Warner Brothers. They take you in the prop house. Mm -hmm. Though they don't take you through all of it, but they do take you through a And they have the house. tags on them. Yeah, what production do. is taking what prop. They do. Mm. Now, there is a level at Warner Brothers that they don't take you on. Uh, maybe in a, a different type of tour at Warner Brothers, but they have what they call the dummy floor. And it is nothing more than just dummies that look like real people. And they <laughs> use those for yeah. the death scenes and all the cop That's shows right. and yeah. hospitals okay. and, and stuff like that. It's probably creepy as you can be. But Warner Brothers does take you into a section that is that is more of like the White House where you get to go in the Oval Office. You know, that, yeah. Mm hmm. I was thinking of something, but yeah, yeah, because I was you were talking about because um, I think uh, some on or off location um, series like Scrubs did one like off location, like in some abandoned ha uh, place. Well, we did a we did spring breakdown. Remember when we filmed that, that one location one, and wow. they brought dummies. Yeah, they mm -hmm. did. They brought dummies for beachgoers. Mm -hmm. They did because they couldn't get enough extras right. to do the show. So they brought in dummies to be beach, <laughs> uh, beachgoers. That was, that was funny. Um, remember when we would watch the Hollywood Christmas parade? Yes. That was always, that's a big Yeah, Hollywood, And I one year it did get well, for California, it got quite cold. It got cold. Well, I mean, not mountain area, but, you know, like regular. Yeah, it got cold. Area of California. But uh, backstage yeah. moments, of course, we love the backstage moments. You know, um, it's just that one moment from when you walk from, you know, either it's if it's a sitcom, you know, you walk from down the audience steps or whatever. And then you cross that backstage area and you just, and you, I mean, yeah, you see like the catering table and. And all just walking through yeah, behind, you know, and it's just, it's just all it is, it's feel. four walls and it's, it's a general padded. Feel and it's just crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's a wow. But okay. it's just that moment where you step from on stage to off stage. Yeah. What about the award shows? We've worked uh, the Emmy Awards, uh, People's Choice Awards. Yep, those yep. are experiences in itself. Because yep, I got to escort Miley Cyrus to her seat. That's okay. I got to put Deborah Messing shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's a big deal, you guys, but um, those are just moments that 
people can't necessarily have all their life, but yeah. we actually got to have, and we know these people. So a lot of these people we do know, but, um, but yeah, that's pretty much, that's a good Hollywood legacy that we have and yeah. a good Chris and Will Hollywood legacy, which kind of brings us a little bit into the best moments of um, Chris and Will and why this clip that I'm about to play is very, very important to uh, Chris and Will's life. I have to tell you, as I said, I, I've been going through an evolution on this issue. Um, I've always been adamant that uh, gay and lesbian uh, Americans should be treated fairly and equally. Uh, and that's why, in addition to everything we've done in this administration, rolling back Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, so that uh, you know, outstanding Americans can serve our country, uh, whether it's no longer defending the Defense Against Marriage Act, which uh, tried to federalize uh, what has historically been state law. Uh, I've stood on the side of broader equality for uh, the LGBT community. Um, and I had hesitated on gay marriage, uh, in part because I thought civil unions would be sufficient, that that was something that would give people hospital visitation rights and uh, other uh, elements that we take for granted. Uh, and uh, I was sensitive to the fact that uh, for a lot of people, you know, the, the word marriage was something that evokes very powerful traditions, religious beliefs, and so forth. Um, but I have to tell you that over the course of uh, several years, as I talk to friends and family and neighbors, uh, when I think about uh, members of my own staff who are in incredibly committed, monogamous relationships, same-sex relationships, who are raising kids together. Uh, when I think about uh, those soldiers or airmen or Marines or uh, sailors who are out there fighting on my behalf uh, and yet feel constrained, even now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone because uh, they're not able to uh, commit themselves in a marriage. Uh, at a certain point, I've just concluded that, um, for me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. So, yeah, that was uh, another great importance on why Chris and Will's legacy is important to that clip, because that was former President um, Barack Obama giving the okay to make uh, gay marriage legal. And uh, let's give you a little bit of our thought process on that. Now, in general, it's not really about the fact of getting married. For mm -hmm. some, it is. For us, it generally was not. Uh, for us, because we've been together for over 20 years now, um, we knew we were going to stay together. And so it, it wasn't really about having to put a ring on it. Yeah. As Beyonce put it, <laughs> the thing that makes us want to do it, have to do it and do it is because both of us suffer from different types of illnesses. And when we go to a hospital and we want to care for one another. I want to make a decision for Willie. Willie wants to make a decision for me. Not all hospitals in every state allow that. Um, so when they don't allow that, then they go to next in kin. And for some of us, next in kin are the ones that we're fighting against or causing some of our issues. So the ones that we don't want to make that decision yeah. because they're causing the issues the law requires them to make that decision. 
So without us getting married, um, that puts the rights in their hands. Whereas if we get married, that puts the rights back into our hands. And that's really what it's important about. If we would keep discrimination and judgment outside yes. of, you know, out, outside of the law and outside of the hospitals, outside of the caring units, then for us and just for us, we wouldn't have to push so much for it. And yeah. one day when we become more interested in it, then yes, we would go for it. Not that we are saying that the ones that want it is bad. We think everybody should be able to enjoy their love their way yes, and how they want it. So nothing should get in that way. I think love is love no matter what. And I don't agree that anybody's belief should get in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. And if you were in our shoes or you put yourself in our shoes and find it to where, you know, what would you do if the hospital or the law prevented you for making an, an important life decision for your child or for your loved one because of their personal beliefs. So that's where we kind of stick with it. We are very honored that that life has be, that life change has become a monumental change now. And it gives us the ability to live the way that we want to live because we should be able to live our way no matter what we do. Because that's what, you know, that's what we were put on this earth to do. God didn't put us on this earth to punish us. God knew what he was creating when he brought us into this world. And uh, he knew what we would become when he did that. So it is up to us to continue the word of what God wanted us to be and not for everyone else who wants to be judgmental and, assum and assuming things to get in that way. Remember, it is not anybody's job to judge so that's our deal on that. And that's what's important about the legacy of Chris and Will. But going in at a different note, the whole different things with the legacy of Chris and Will is just the many things that we've accomplished and where we've gone. We've gone from the way lows to living in the car to absolutely no money mm -hmm. to successful, fun, great jobs. We've had an amazing career. We've met um, some great politicians. We've met uh, some great presidents, celebrities, important people in the world we have. We've we've done a lot of different things. So, you know, we're very important with that. Uh, and we're very proud of that. So we are we are very excited about our life. And that's that's really our legacy. I think really more is that we just it's spontaneity. I think it's just doing things that most people wouldn't do or they would they just we just go out and do it. You know, and wherever it goes is, you know, it does its own thing. And then another and another and another. And then now that's the result of everything you've practically said. Absolutely. And it, it's, all, it's all about being together, working together. We're around each other 24-7. Yeah. It's not just with doing this show. Mm -hmm. It's this is just another part of what we do. And for some people that can get very much on their nerves. And it does at times. But we've learned to adapt with each other and build with each other and grow with each other and accept each other. And that's how we do it. Um, we've had to overcome a lot of decisions and a lot of changes. We've had to let go of some people in yeah. our life that at one point we, you know, we thought that they needed to be in our life. And then at another point we learned that they don't, you know, we learned that just because a person calls you by your name doesn't necessarily mean they, they need to be in your full inner circle. Yeah. So developing your circle is a big thing. This podcast, yeah, another big success we didn't think that was 
going to go very far. And here we are. Look, we've 20 something episodes in season one. We're doing season two and three this year. And amongst a ton more other projects for 2020, we've be we are considered celebrities when we never thought that we were. We're us. That's it. I mean, we've done Hollywood projects and public projects before, but nothing of this caliber. So we have to say we're proud of it. And our legacy is everything that we are and who we are. If you know us and you know us very well, um, you know, we we live with a lot of respect. We live with a lot of benefit of the doubt with a lot of people in our world. And, you know, that's just who we are. Traveling's are exciting moments, mm-hmm. you know, doing all these different things are exciting moments. Doing this show's exciting moments. Um, you know, it it really is. It, it you know, before we do anything, I um uh, I I told some of our guests that we've had on their show, I I go, you know, I've lost sleep because I can't wait for these interviews. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, it's just the legacy. It's part of who we are. We get excited about some of them. Uh, some we know, some we don't know. But I will tell you that the ones that we didn't know, we've become friends with. Yeah. And we still hear from them from time to time. So, uh, yeah, life challenges, another good one. Oh, yeah. You always got to remember to keep going. It's worth it. That's what it is. It's I mean, worth it because when, when, when the challenge is met, it's a relief. Yeah. Admiring. And, then, and it's not temporary either. I mean, yeah, something else may happen, but... To say that, I mean, in a different perspective, as we've talked about on other uh, podcast episodes, you know, looking at something from a different angle, it's like, oh, okay. Well, what we'd like to have accomplished in this show is we like that we'd like to accomplish that you're listening to a friend or that you're talking to a friend because somewhere in this circle, we're hearing you, we're, we're feeling you and we're going with you and we're being a part of your life just as much as you are in ours. And that's important. And those are building blocks for us too. Cause we used to be very shy, very confined and closeted in many ways. And mm-hmm. we've overcome that with, in a lot of numerous ways. And in this show, absolutely. I can't believe, I can't remember to tell you that the uh, first episode we did, we were both nerve wracking and it was, was Katie. Sweating. It was Katie Lee <laughs> and we gosh. were sweating because you know, we, we just didn't know what to expect, but and I'm so happy with it, you know yeah, what we we're did. very happy with a lot of it. It was such a delight. It is. It's absolutely a delight. But as our legacy keeps going and as our show keeps going, but today, you know, we have an amazing guest and I'm going to let you kind of guess who that is in a moment. But, um, you know, when we kind of end up the best moments of Chris and Will, the best way that I can say uh, as we give it to you is thank you. Yeah, that's absolutely the best way to uh, bring it out to you is say thank you. In 1975, he directed Jaws. In 1978, he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1981, he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T. the Extraterrestrial. We will witness the arrival, the search, the desertion, the fear, the discovery, the friendship. I'm keeping him. 
the secret, the love, the warning, the signal, the mystery, the danger. The intrusion, the wonderment, the enchantment, the hope, the connection has been made. Universal Pictures presents Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. That, of course, was the infamous E.T. trailer from back in the 1980s, because our special guest with us today is none other than the great Dee Wallace. Yeah. She played the mother in that movie. And, you know, she's played a lot of different roles as a, as a mother. She She's like the mother of the movies, as I call her. <laughs> she really is. She really, really is. They call her the screen queen sometimes because she does a lot of horror films. But uh, she's done over 200 films, to be exact. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But, uh, you know, she she did, uh, of course, E.T. She did Cujo, The Howling, Critters, Invisible Man, Headspace, uh, The Plague, Stay Cool, Red Christmas, The Ouija House, <laughs> yeah. uh, Hansel Gretel, TV shows, Chips, Heart to Heart, Hotel, Twilight Zone, L.A. Law, and Without a Trace. We also also was in Without yeah, a Trace, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she also played in a movie that her daughter had directed, Gabrielle Stone, which uh, she was on our show earlier uh, uh-huh. in the season. Yeah. Uh, last month, I guess it was. Uh, but she's also the wife of the late Christopher Stone. Mm-hmm. And both of them played together in Cujo. That's the right. Movie yeah. Yeah. So we are extremely excited to interview her, talk to her. So we're going to give her a call. So sit back, relax, because we're going to go into E.T. a little bit deeper with the great D. Wallace, because she's coming up. He leaps first at his dagger and then at his grindstone to sharpen it. Tinka lights near the show. He rings out a warning cry. Oh, well, that is just my medicine. She says, poisoned? Who could have poisoned it? I promised Wendy to take it, and I will as soon as I have sharpened my day. Tink, who sees its red color, remembers the red in the pirate's eye. Nobly swallows the draft as Peter's hand is reaching for it. Why, Tink, you have drunk my medicine. She flutters strangely about the room, answering me on the very first Ouch! It was poison. Ouch! And drank it to save my life. Tink, dear Tink, Ouch! Mm. And perhaps there is a rush of men and still 
We are honored to welcome a true Hollywood legend, Dee Wallace. Hi, Dee. This is Chris and Will. How are you? Yes. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you? We are good. I'm. I'm gonna say that um, you know I couldn't sleep at all last night waiting <laughs> for this interview. Just wait. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> Why? I'm. I'm just another broad with some acting uh, credits, you know? Aww. <laughs> but you know what? Growing up with you, I'm telling you, it, it's like I always call you the uh, mother of the movies because you always yeah. did everything so real. You know, you were just so good at what you did. So I was like, well, oh, my god, Thank you. You're very that's a That's a great compliment, that real uh, comment there. Yes, it totally is. Well, it's true. I mean... Gosh, from E.T. to to Cujo, oh my word. I, I tell you, I just, I couldn't. I, 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 there's so many different things that I was just like, okay. I learned a lot from how you did the performance in E.T. and how you did from Cujo. And, you know, even my mother sits there and goes, why did you do that? I go, I learned it from E.T. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I was a good and bad influence then, wasn't I? Well, we'll just say yes, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So how are you? I'm great. Great. I've had a really, really busy year. I've, uh-huh. uh, As you know, I just came out in Rob Zombie's Three from Hell, and uh-huh. um, I'm getting ready to shoot Fanboy 13, and it's wow. it's good. It's busy, um, and that's the way actors like it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, I have a, a whole other life as a healer and a spiritual uh-huh. teacher, and that's keeping me real busy, too, so... Good balance in my life. I go do horror films, and then I teach everybody how to heal themselves from fear. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, we talked to Gabrielle not too long ago. Yes. And you have an amazing daughter. Let me tell you that. I mm. do. Thank you. Thank oh, you. She um, is one of a kind. I, I will take credit for a lot of it, but she is her own person, for yes. sure. Her and her trusty backpack. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. and her journal. That's and right. Her journal. Yep. That's right. I saw her pose uh, in that outfit, and I'm like, "Damn, you look great, girlfriend." <laughs> she does. Yeah, she she, really she works hard at um, at keeping in shape. She does. Yeah, you know what? I used to too, but you know, as I got older, I just like screw it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't do it to the extent that she does it or I did it. I mean, I power walk my dog every day and I work out with a trainer twice a week and I go, you know, that's enough for anyone. <laughs> I, I ain't ever, I ain't ever putting on a bikini again. I can assure you of that. So. <laughs> well, you know, I say the same thing though. I've never had to put on a bikini and I never will, but <laughs> you know, uh... <laughs> no speedos for you. huh? No, 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 no. What is the infamous, uh, the infamous saying? I think they outlawed whaling a long time ago. Wow. Oh, stop yeah. it. <laughs> so it's just like, no, I can't do that. But uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. So tell me a little bit uh, before we go into your major credits. Tell me a little bit about how you got your start. I was born. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, yes. Yes. You think I'm kidding. And I can say the same thing about my daughter. I 
I just think if you're if you end up doing this, you're meant to do this. Every cell in your body makes you do this, screams at uh-huh. you until you do this. Right. Um, you know, my mother was a beautiful actress in Kansas City in local theater, uh-huh. and also directed and produced all of the um, religious plays at our right. church. Uh-huh. So I started out as Baby Jesus. Oh. Before I left Kansas, I was uh, Mother Mary, uh-huh. and uh, and and those were my first credits. Wow. But uh, that's where I learned, you know, I I was given elocution lessons and dance lessons and watched my mom and did humorous and dramatic readings around town for the mayor and people. Uh-huh. And so I was kind of groomed. A lot of people don't know I was the uh, Dell comic queen. When I was younger, I was the imperial margarine princess. Um, So I was part of this uh, came about because we were so poor and I could help make enough money to feed the family. So, but however it happened, it happened and here I am. Absolutely. And we're glad it happened. Yes. Because you know what? Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to go into the next one, which is, of course, the big one. But, um, you know, I think that nobody else could have played the mother in E.T. any better than what you did. Yeah, I really don't think so. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I don't we say that always about when we, well, maybe not always. <laughs> but most of the time, I think... If an actor brings uh, a live apart in a really believable way, we can't, after seeing it, we can't imagine anybody else doing it. Right. But I I have had a lot of people uh, say that to me, and uh, along with, yeah, but you you didn't have any kids. How'd you play such a good mother? I said, well, nobody had a mother. <laughs> so I just, I knew what good mothers were. I knew what single mothers were. I knew what uh-huh. mothers who had to keep the whole family together, who were the head of the household. Uh, I had that role model. Right. Um, and a mother that literally would do anything for her kid. And, um, and I, it's interesting to me, looking back over my career, how many parts of uh, strong mothers and mothers who have gone to incredible lengths to defend or protect their children, how many uh-huh. of those parts uh, I attract to myself. Very nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did E.T. come across? How did you get that role? Well, Stephen had me come in and audition for used cars, which uh-huh. is, uh, uh, of course, one of his lesser-known films. Right. And um, but Stephen works very, very far ahead uh, with his projects. And E.T. was in the making in his little bean brain. And Uh he saw my energy and knew that was the kind of energy that he wanted um, as expressed as Mary. So when he got ready to do E.T., they just called and offered it to me. 
Very nice. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Hollywood story, huh? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what So what was it like to work with Stephen? Because I've met him briefly once. He's an amazing man, but of course, I've never worked uh, with him or underneath him, which is on the bucket list. So, you know, one day, Stephen, the vibe comes in, you can hire me for something. I don't care if it just says to say hi. That's fine. At least I can work with Steven. So how was he to work with? Well, come on, guys. He's a genius. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and uh, he, I think Stephen's strong points is that he um, gets a crew together that knows exactly what he wants and can give it to him uh-huh. and hires a cast that is exactly exemplary of the emotional qualities that he wants in those characters. And then he has a very clear vision, and then he lets us come in and bring our ideas also. Very nice. So, yeah. So um, you put all that together, that makes a really good director. Absolutely. The, the, The new directors that I... Uh, work with sometimes want to micromanage you so much and they don't understand that that gives them more control but oftentimes limits the creativity severely yeah right yeah you know another one of my well i have so many favorite directors (laughs) but recently i i just love working with rob zombie because he gives you Uh so much freedom oh really Oh wow. yeah, yeah. He's he's great to work with. Great to work with. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, what were your thoughts when getting the ET script? I mean, because that's got to be out of this world—no pun intended. But you know. <laughs> well, you know, I knew it was a huge break for me, and I, Stephen had just come out with, I believe, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it was wonderful Mm -hmm. and you know he wasn't the Spielberg that Spielberg is today but he was well on his way I knew you know and I I had to go over to the studio and read the script that's how much secrecy there was behind it and I called my agent and I said look I I don't think this is going to do a lot for me but I think it's going to do a lot for the world and I want to be a part of it and it did. Yes. Absolutely. And now, it still is. It still you're is. Right. It exactly. still is. Well, to tell you a little bit of story about it, you know, of course, I grew up with E.T., but um, when they did the re-release in the movie theater for, I think, was it the 20th or 30th anniversary, mm-hmm. whichever it was, uh, that yeah. was the first time Willie had saw yes. E.T. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where have I been for this movie? And I'm like... Beats me, because, I mean, this has just been a classic forever. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So how old were you when you saw it? Oh, gosh. Probably, like, early 20s? Yeah, he was Okay. His... Well, bad you know, mothering. Very yes. bad mothering. I agree with that. I do agree <laughs> with that. I knew the movie was there, but, you know, in, like, commercials and... But I didn't know... I didn't, you know, the whole movie, I didn't see it. So, I mean, yeah. You, who couldn't see it? That was a constant thing in the eighties and the nineties. Is sitting there watching watching it. I mean, yeah, and I'm over there sitting in the theater, and he, of course, you know, Chris had seen it, and I'm all emotional because I'm like, wow, you know, just. Well, his first response was, "Is well, who's in it?" And I go, 
Drew Barrymore. You love Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And she he goes, really? I go, yeah, she was a little kid in that movie. And <laughs> so, you know, ever since then, he was he was hooked. So. Yes. <laughs> See, it takes a broad to get you in. Yeah. Yeah. That's all there is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me, when in his styles of directing, and, and that's kind of where the real comes in, um, I heard somewhere along the line that he loves to, I don't want to say have ad lib or improv at certain points to where he would just throw something out at the actors and you, you guys would do it and the other actors really wouldn't know anything about it. Is that true? That is true, uh, especially with the kids, uh-huh. you know, because you, kids, you, you want to keep them in the moment. You right. want to keep them real. That's where their magic is. Yeah. And so oftentimes he would go, okay, Drew, now take a bite of your hamburger. Now look at Mary and say blah, blah. Okay, uh. take a drink of your milk and look at Henry and be sad and say blah, blah. And so that's the way he got a lot of the really crisp, alive performances. I happen to be an adult that loves to work that way. Uh-huh. You know, um, a lot of adult actors would have gone, holy hell, what do you mean? I'm not going to know what's coming up. But I love to work that way and be in the moment and be surprised. I bet. So I bet. It, it was heaven for me. Now, did he tell the kids that um, the part, the scene where E.T. was kind of dying, did he tell the kids that were going to happen or... Uh, oh, how sure. Was that kind of done? Well, yeah. And I, I remember uh, Drew was sitting on the uh, soundstage next to where we were shooting. And like I always do, I went over because she was four. And at four, uh-huh. um, reality and fantasy are all kind of the same thing. Right. Uh, like she would go over and talk to E.T. on the set. So there was always somebody there keeping E.T. alive. For oh, her. Wow. But I went over to get her and I said, okay, Drew, we're going to go do the scene where E.T.'s sick and the doctors are there and we're afraid he's dying. But you know he's just acting like we are, uh-huh. right? It's not really happening. He's just another actor. She looks at me and she says, I know, Dee, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> <laughs> and I pick her up walk her in, she takes one look at E.T. on the table and bursts into tears and goes, he's dying, he's dying. And Stephen's going, roll it, roll it, roll it, right? But that's how, you know, that's how fast they go in and out of reality and fantasy at that age. So you, you have to always be in the moment with them. Right, absolutely. Now, do you still keep in touch with Drew? I don't. I'm in touch with the boys quite a bit. Uh huh. Very nice. Very very nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's go back. Let's go into your horror films. Now, is horror particularly the genre that you like the most? Because you do a lot of them, or is it just the scripts that seem to keep coming in? Well, both. Okay. I uh, I didn't go looking for horror, uh-huh. um, but I love doing emotional work. Yes. And I love doing big emotional arcs. And there's really no genre better than the horror genre that gives you that opportunity all the time. 
Right. And so I think because I love doing it so much, I just kept attracting more of them. But, you know, I, I love doing comedy. Secret Admirer is one uh-huh. of my smaller films that I just had so much fun working with Fred Ward and being crazy on. I did, actually did a lot of comedy in E.T., uh-huh. With the Halloween thing and you, did. you know mm-hmm. the you did. scream and the popping the candle out and all that stuff, um, and I I love really good relationship films. I love them. Nice mm-hmm. and um, and those are my favorite. Those are my my favorite genres. I you know I I love comedy. Would I want a career of comedy? No, I right. wouldn't. Because I just like to do the emotional stuff a lot. Well, you're definitely good at it. Yeah. You, you, you Thank brought you. up that you brought up that scene in uh, ET, and I'm like, yes, you were dressed up as a uh, as a kitty cat. I think. Uh huh. I really I was. I do, and I remember because you were talking about the candle, and then you hit it a couple times, and then you got aggravated, and then you hit it again, and it went out. And it's like, yep, yeah. I remember that. And that was all improv. That was all improv. Really? Wow. wow. Yeah. That is that's crazy. Well, again, that's why I said your your acting styles are so realistic. Yes. And, you know, they're so believable. And that's now where we go into Cujo. I mean, that movie was unbelievable. And that just the way the performances in every character was done was just like, okay. it it really kind of educated me on what rabies really was, because really? Yeah, it did. It did. Because, you know. I grew up with a lot of dogs and a lot of big dogs, and we still have a lot of big dogs in our life now. And, you know, the, when that happened and, and how the personalities of the dog change, that was my biggest question is, why is that? Can that really, really happen? And that's when it, they, it was explained to me. And it said, well, yes, that's what happens. And then not only as I got older, as a teenager, we actually had a dog that got attacked and the other animal had rabies, so our dog ended up having rabies, and the dog went berserk one day, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and literally the first thing that, now I know they were kind of joking, but the first thing a kid sat there and said, this is Cujo all over again, run, you know, and it's, <laughs> so as funny as that was, you know, that really did educate us on what that was, so that's how real yeah. you guys put it out. And it really became a part of the culture for a long time. Uh-huh, I mean, I did. still have uh, people walking up with these little miniature Dachshan dogs and these teacup dogs named Cujo. It's hysterical. <laughs> wow. Um, Cujo actually is my favorite film uh, nice. of all of the Not to do, uh-huh. but af- after it was done, I, I just am extremely proud of my work in you that film. Um, just about killed me, I'll tell you. Sure. <laughs> they treated me for exhaustion for weeks after we finished, and I'm wow. still on adrenal raw adrenal medication because I just blew out my entire adrenal system on it. Wow. You know, a lot of people don't understand that your body and your brain does not understand your acting. Very uh, true. It goes through the the same chemical releases and reactions that if you were really in fight or flight for eight weeks wow and um and that's all that film was was fight or flight right now yeah it was absolutely now did they 
tell me about the dog. Was did they use scenes where it was an actual real dog, or was that more? Animatronic? Oh, it was all the real dog. Pretty much all the scenes were real dogs. There were thirteen dogs that played Cujo. Wow! Uh, because you can't overwork a dog. You can right. overwork D, but you can't <laughs> overwork a dog. Yep. Um, and so they were all trained to go after different toys, uh-huh. so that they could do different tricks. And um, we actually had to tie their tails down with fish wire because they were wagging them all the time. There's a couple of shots in there that they left the tail wag in because it suited the ominous feeling that they wanted to create in the scene. But, you know, they were on command. The trainer, Carl Miller, who was phenomenal with these dogs, um, would go, dig, dig for your toy. And oh, wow. and so that's how they got them to look so ferocious. But it was all a bloody game for them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. One, there were several scenes that come to mind in that movie. Of course, the infamous car scene, of course. And then the, the scene where um, now the little boy had, um, did he have asthma? Uh, he had seizure. That's right. Yeah. And he went through a seizure. So you had to run into the house. And then there was a part where you were climbing all over the cabinets or countertops. That's what it was. I do remember that was pretty much the end at the, towards the end of the movie. I think. Well, yeah, the very end is when I get the, get him and I put him on top of the table and try to resuscitate him. Uh-huh. And the dog breaks through the glass and I have to shoot him then. I have to. Yes. Wow. But by that time, we're pretty sure the audience is going shoot the dog <laughs> yes oh yes absolutely absolutely because you know in our mind the the thing of it is is when you couldn't get the car to start and you yeah you know, you're sitting mm-hmm. there going oh my gosh literally what what the hell i mean you it it was such a well-made movie and then um when we talked to gabrielle uh, not too couple soon not two couple of weeks ago. That's I don't know why I'm messing up on my words, but uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks. Have ago, another drink. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I haven't even started yet, so I need to. But um, we were talking about that, and your your late husband was in that movie as well, and I completely forgot about that. Christopher Stone was. In oh that movie. yes, Chris played my lover. I, I and, know. You know, I had done the howling. We'd both done the howling with uh-huh. Dan Blatt. Yes. And whom I just adore, God rest his soul. And um, a lot of people think I got Chris hired on the Helling. I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, when they called and said, we can't find the guy, right guy to play your husband. And I'm engaged to Chris and I'm going, what do you want? What are you looking for? They literally described Chris. But I knew if I said, well, you guys should read my fiance." They would have run the other way. So I said, you know, I worked with this guy, Christopher Smith or Stone. It's an S word. Uh-huh. And I really liked working with him and blah, blah. So they tracked him down and called him in. <laughs> and he went in and auditioned and got the part. And a couple of days later, the phone rings and I pick it up. And... I hear Dan Blatt on the other side of the phone. He's going, D? And I went, hey, Dan, what's up? He <laughs> said, well, you know, I think I called the wrong number. You know that guy you suggested? Well, we found him, and we really liked him, and we hired him. 
And I said, nope, you called the right number. And there was this long pause, and he goes, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, but then when it came to Cujo, and they sent me the script, and they know, everybody knows I don't do nudity and, Uh you know, heavy love scenes and all that. Not my, not my bag. Uh Um and he, so he said, did you read the script? I said, yeah, Dan, but this love scene, you know, he said, D, um, first of all, it's going to be with your clothes on. And second of all, we want to hire Chris to play your lover. Wow. And I went, well, let me g- give me a little. Okay. <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, that was kind of that was kind of a no brainer. Right. To me, and let me tell you, if you, it's one of the hardest scenes I've ever played. Doing a love scene with a guy that you really make love with is just weird. Everybody would think that it's easier, but it's like your mom is sitting on the bottom of your bed, going, <laughs> "Really, you're going to do it that way?" Oh my god! I mean, it was, it was crazy hard for us that scene. Oh, I bet it was. And not to mention the fact that there was cameras there and you had an audience. So I imagine that just added more to the, okay, this is awkward moment, you know. Well, yeah, because usually you walk in and you go, hi, D. Okay, I'm D and you're blah, blah. Okay, let's get in bed and do this scene. (laughs) Seriously, and it becomes a more technical acting job or experience. But this was like, I mean, the night before, you know, we were going, well, okay, how are we going to play this? We can't do it like we really do it. <laughs> I mean, we can't, we can't like go that far because. Right. <laughs> so how, how are we going to, what are you comfortable? So he said, honey, don't worry. I'll take care of it. I'll, you know, I'll be there for you. Right. So I've got this hot pink dress on that has this big circular skirt and I'm sitting on top of him and we're getting ready to shoot. And I looked down at him and I went, "Um, honey, are you there? (laughs) (laughs) Is, Is Chris anywhere in the building? And he started to laugh. He said, I'm so freaking worried about how they're shooting you and how you're going to look and everything. You're just going to have to act this one, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was crazy weird. Crazy weird. I bet. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys had great chemistry together on that set. And, you know, and it has to be memorable, the fact that you, you guys were able to work together in that film. And then... You just recently did a film where Gabrielle had directed you in, so that had to be unreal. So tell me about that one. Well, that was really interesting. I was a little worried about it, Uh, although, uh, well, yeah, I was worried that I was going to do a good job for her. (laughs) You know, it had nothing to do with, oh, my God, am I going to be able to work with my kid because... She studied with me. I don't know. We've we've just got this understanding that when we're working together in any kind of capacity, we are working together. We're not mother and daughter. Yeah. And right. and so everything is approached from that um, personal yes, but professional perspective. 
And so there was this one part in there where she wanted me to do it really fast and build it and really come at it and hit him with his pace. And it was all this legalese, and I I couldn't get it out that fast. And I got so frustrated, and all of a sudden I hear, because she's watching the monitor from around the corner, and I hear, all right, Wallace, just (laughs) calm down, take a breath, have fun. You can do this. All right, roll it. And she got me to laugh, which I taught her in acting. (laughs) <laughs> that if you if you get blocked, start laughing, right? right? And so then she used it back on me, and it worked. And I, you know, as a mom, you got to go. Does it get any better than this? Right. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it's an amazing short film. Just amazing short film. Can't wait! Can't wait! When does it come out? Well, it's uh, she's just rolled it out to the festival circuit. Oh, that's now. right. Yes. Yes. About that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't wait on that one. So yep. let's go into another great classic one from back in the day. Of course, you know, we're, we're telling our age because we, we grew up with a lot of 80s, 90s movies. Yes. But one film that really scared me crazy that you did was The Infamous Critters. Tell me about that one. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> oh, it oh, did. Critters was, Critters was fun come on oh it was but you know what when you're young and you're you're sitting there going okay is this stuff gonna pop up underneath my bed what where is yeah yeah i get that we just had a hell of a lot of fun doing critters other than the fact that we worked all night most of the time Uh um but um our, our director was just so much fun to work with. The cast was so good. I adored B- Billy Greenbush. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it, it just, it was easy. It was just easy. And the Critters, um, they had planned on using, you know, the giant critter and everything else in the second movie uh-huh. coming up. So they really weren't finished with a lot of the developed critters. But the little hairball critters were all over the place. And yes. the guys would be standing on the side of the of the set, and all of a sudden you hear, okay, roll in the critters. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all standing there roll, And, you know, so lucky for us that we could actually keep in character when all that was going on. <laughs> Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was cute. It, I mean, today when obviously when I I watch it, I'm like, okay, I'm not. It's, it doesn't scare me anymore. But just back then, it was. In fact, there was a movie. I don't know if you remember it, but it was uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space yeah. that came out. Yes. Oh yeah. my word! That one scared me so bad when I was growing up. And then as an adult, we were working on a project. And we actually had to go have a meeting with the Kyoto brothers yeah. mm-hmm. at their studio in yeah. L.A. And so we went there and they brought us in the conference room. And I looked at the guys. I go, seriously, they had the heads of the clowns in the cases staring at you in the uh, conference room. <laughs> and you could see all the details. And I'm sitting there going, I told them, I said, guys, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And they're like, why? What's wrong? And I go, those heads. <laughs> and they go, they oh, scare my- you? I go, 
not really, but yes, they kind of do, you know, because they frightened me as a kid so bad. But I'm like, this is well, crazy. you've got that sense memory, sure. Yes, but it was, you know, that's what horror mo- movies did back in the day, and there were some really good ones that did it, and yep. there were some really bad ones that that didn't, and you know, kind of like with Child's Play. I still cannot watch Child's Play even till this day. I just can't. I can't watch it. We didn't you know, I I even movie. have people tell me that about ET. Really? That one scene where everybody starts yelling in the cornfield when they see E.T. Yeah. and E.T. Yes. yells. Well, if you were too young and too impressionable when you watched that, scared the hell out of you. And there's, there's still, I have a lot of fun with them when they come to the table because they go, oh, I can't, I can't even look at E.T. I can't, wow. you know, and I say, well, aren't you the wussy one and get over <laughs> it. <laughs> But, you know, and I, I still say that because I, I, a lot of things don't scare me. But for some reason, clowns just freak me out. But I, I hear why. that from a lot of people. But, you know, I watched Bozo as a kid and he didn't bother me. But anything else. Well, he didn't looks, kill people either. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But, geez, it was just like, oh, I couldn't. I could let me tell you this story really quick before we move on. When I was doing I was doing some work with Universal Studios and you know how Universal has their Halloween horror nights. And Oh yes. So I was managing an area at one time and this one was in Orlando, so it wasn't in the Hollywood one. And I had to go in the wardrobe house for some reason. And I walked down the hall, the hall. Now there was nobody in sight. So first of all, I knew that okay, this is freaky cuz this hall is usually busy with people and there's nobody here. And, you know, it was very dim lighting. Well, the entertainers, their dressing room was at the end of the hall. So knowing my luck, here it was. I'm walking at the one end of the hall, walking towards that dressing room. And here comes out these killer clowns. And I'm sitting there going, oh, Lord, this is not going to end well. And they were just, it was like a horror movie. They were walking down that hall and they were walking slowly towards me. And nobody else was around. I'm going to tell you, I thought twice. And I jetted. I turned around, hid in the wardrobe room to where I couldn't. I, I just couldn't face them face to face. And some woman walks next to me and she goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm admiring the clothes. Let's just say that. I'm admiring it because they freaked me out. Those clowns just, wow. Boy, you are, you <laughs> embody what we hope all of our horror audiences are made up of. <laughs> oh, oh, I do. But Willie here, on the other hand, he, he gets scared of everything. He is, yes. He actually, I don't even, have you even seen Cujo? Yes, I have. Okay, what about Critters? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so he, he wouldn't like Critters. But, um, but yeah, he doesn't like, I yeah. just got him into the Halloween series. Because Halloween series isn't too bad. I like Halloween. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, um, going to the movie theater and watching horror movies, I just, I'm like a scaredy cat. Like, I'll jump at the, at somebody turning a corner and just popping out. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so, let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite horror movie? Of mine? Yes. Yeah. Cujo. Cujo's my Cujo? favorite. What about yeah. uh, anyone that you've I mean, seen I mean, I love the Howling. I love yes. the Howling, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about any film that you haven't been in? Exorcist. Ooh. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Exorcist and Don't Look Now. Have you ever seen Don't Look Now? I haven't. I have not. Well, it's a, a really great representation of what camera work, directing, and acting 
can do to make you believe something that you hardly ever see any time in the movie. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to go look that up. You got me curious <laughs> now. So are you surprised with the fandom that you have? I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> uh, for everything. Surprised by it. I'm pleased by it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I <laughs> fall in, I, I'm, I'm trying to fall into my truthfulness here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I'm surprised by it. I think I've earned it. Yes, you I have. I think... Yes. And I think I, I don't think there's anybody that appreciates their fans more than I do. Absolutely. I, I love talking to them. I love meeting with them. I love hearing the stories. I love a lot of times now they come up and uh, ask me about my healing work and if I can help them, yes. you know, with some stuff in their life. And I love that. But I'll, I'll tell you, the fans... My fans that come to me, I I look at them as my friends. I, I really do. There's wow. they're just fabulous people. They are, they are, and you're just a fabulous uh, role model yes. to have in mm-hmm. our life, especially. Yes. So thank so you, you. You spoke a little bit about the the healing thing. So let's go into that because I wanted to talk about that, but I kind of want to set it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of course. Unfortunately, Willie here deals with uh, CPTSD, yeah, and uh, it all rolls out from uh, family abuse from his childhood, and it's a challenging thing that we deal with almost daily. Sometimes uh, therapy works, sometimes therapy doesn't. And mm-hmm. in fact, we just had a great conversation with uh, Jared Hewitt, who you and Jared had did a um, wonderful segment that we saw on YouTube. Um, I create me. Do you remember that? Oh, sure. Yes. Jared and, and I, for, uh, I trained Jared, and then Jared went into his own expanded creation process, and we used to do quite a bit together. Right. Wow. So I guess what would you, what, what, what would you say to Willie to help, to, for, to help him get through life without reflecting too much on the past and the past tormenting his current and future well you know willie i grew up in the house of an alcoholic Mm -hmm. my father shot himself through the head my My brother shot himself through the head last year wow um we were extremely poor so i am not without trauma Mm -hmm. so i tell you this so that you know what i'm talking about yeah um I, I love Dana Wiles' quote. She says, you know, there's nothing wrong with having your story, but the problem is you keep telling your story. Wow. And as long as you keep telling your story, you will keep living your story. Because energy, and everybody learned this in science class in fifth grade, everything's energy, Right. Yeah. Energy just is energy until it gets directed. And it can be directed consciously. It can be directed unconsciously. So every time you tell your story and every time you say, this is why I can't, or this is what's wrong with me, 
or this is uh, the problem and I can't create my life because of this, that you have to understand that is a direction to your energy. So you are literally telling yourself, stay stuck, stay scared, and stay less powerful than you can be by telling your story all the time. And I don't think that's what you want, is it? No, no. I mean... So let me ask you this. it's, It's quite... Thank you for saying that. I was just sorting it out and, and hearing it all. You know, I've, I was thinking, you know, is there, you know, just to, that's been a thing, letting go. And I've been, I've, I've had a lot of advice. Well, what about if you don't let it go? What about if you accept it? And then you go, I accept this shit happened to me because it did. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to take the energy of me and direct it toward what is a lot more positive and empowering in my life now. Wow. And I'm going to focus on that. And I'm going to direct my energy to trust again. And mm-hmm. I am going to tell me and the universe, only bring me people that honor and respect and trust me in this lifetime. Because it's a true, I think you will agree with this, you tell me if you don't. Can anybody think of thought for you, Willie? No. Can anybody feel a feeling for you? No. Can anybody hold a perspective on the world or on yourself that you don't want? I don't, I'm not sure if I understand the question. Can you? Well... You know what a perspective is, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Can anybody make you look at the world in a perspective that you're not saying, okay, I'll look at it that way? No, I decide that. That's right. But yet, you see, you're not. You're not deciding to do those things because you're using your story as an excuse to stay smaller. Whoa. And you don't want to do that anymore, sweetheart. Wow. Well, I'm Are so you grateful okay? for you saying that. That just There's a lot of my stuff, a lot of stuff on my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am com. There's a lot of stuff that will help you get more clarity around that. But guys, ultimately, I can tell you with total knowing, we, were, we are on this plane to learn that we direct and create things out of our choice and direction of energy. That's why we're here. And only the great souls decide to come here in embodiment because that's where you really get the solid experimentation of I am either created upon or I am consciously and consistently creating me. Wow. Hmm. Very nice. Very interesting. Yeah, it's been a up and down, I don't want to say struggle, but it's been a journey, I will say. And um, we've had to pretty much reschedule weddings like 
twice already, pretty much. And um, the day this episode... Yeah, because you see, he's afraid of commitment, sweetheart. Yep. Because people always leave him, and they abuse him, Uh and they use him. And so commitment is horribly frightening for him until he commits to knowing that he is creating being honored and loved in this world, and then commitment will be exciting for him. Very true. Very interesting. Yes, well, we appreciate that. We really do, because when we, we're listening to this, your clips that you have on, on YouTube and different things like that, I mean, it, it, it made sense. It, it really did. So you should you Willie, you should listen to my TED talk. Okay. Because it's all about how our little children are running our adult selves. Wow. If anybody wants to know why they keep hitting walls and yeah. can't break through, mm-hmm. uh, it's because your brain is locked in around your self-esteem and your place in the world by seven years old. So. If you go back, and my 20-minute my TED Talk goes into all this, um, and see what you were taught verbally and what you were modeled as yeah. a child and what happened to you in the belief systems that you put together, yeah. you'll understand why you can't do, as an adult, all the things you want to do. Yeah. But then it's up to you to say, you know, that's not working for me anymore. So I'm going to choose to know this, yeah. and I'm going to keep focused on this, and I'm going to feel good about being loved and honored and respected now. Wow. You just turned a really sad face into a really happy face. <laughs> well, good. And I am telling you, and I know this, that if you apply this consistently and consciously every day in your life, your life has to turn around That's science. Energy responds to other energy. So when we shift ourselves within us, all the energy around us has to shift. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Very nice. So um, I got lost for a second. (laughs) (laughs) So what... What is it you have left in your career that you'd like to accomplish? Well, I just, you know, I want to stay happy and I want to keep working and doing stuff that I love to do, Um, making money. You know, my (laughs) intention is to live up until the moment I try, I decide to transition. Um, Most people live up till they're about 70 or 80 and then they wait to die. Uh, I don't want to do that. That's not my plan. That's not the direction of my energy. So um, I'd love to play a nun that's really questioning her beliefs, that's questioning the reality of the world and what Uh makes it rock. And I've always wanted to play a part like that. Um, And um, and I... You know, love to do some really big major films again. Wow. Well, we would love to see you do yes. them. Um, you know, I was going my, to, my next to last question was going to be, you know, what uh, what would you want your legacy to be known as? And quite frankly, love. I think absolutely that was going to be my response. You, you, yeah. you sincerely are an amazing person. 
and you play that in your your acting performance roles you do and Thank on you. this conversation you truly have you know turned things around in a lot of different ways yes. And, yes. and a lot of different emotions so um and incredible love is exactly your legacy and that you're full of it and you're you just expand it and you 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 give it out and you know giving is a good thing and we've always known that and we've always been giving with that so thank you for that we really do appreciate you that. are welcome guys and this was so much fun thank you yes thank yes. you and thank you for being on the show and we look forward to seeing so much more of you and hey when we get into la we'll we'll try to connect maybe have some coffee or something or that's drink. a deal that that's is a, a deal, deal. Yes. <laughs> all right much love to all you right Gabrielle. guys thank go be you. powerful go oh, love yes. yourself and be powerful you know, I couldn't think of a better way to have the ending to our season finale part one episode. Yes. But with Dee Wallace and going through all that history with uh, E.T. and then Cujo Critters and <laughs> so much more. And then her her healing methods. Wow. Just an amazing woman. I mean, this was this was everything I hoped it would be. Good. Probably even more, exceeded more, don't yeah, you think? I agree. Yes, absolutely. But we want to thank Dee for coming on the show. What a pleasure. I mean, we're going to remember this forever, I think. And uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us on the show because we always love company. We've always enjoyed you guys for coming by and telling your friends and having all these grand followers. And it's just been fun. It's been an amazing time. Remember to keep in touch with us. Yes. You can follow us on Instagram. At Chris.Ann.Will. That's right. And uh, we'll keep you up to date about season two and season three coming up. But uh, next week, we have an all new episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will with another great guest and another great topic. And that will be the season finale episode of our What About Our Life podcast. We've had an amazing year with it. So we're glad to bring it out with a bang. And then we'll see you guys back here in a month or so doing it all over again. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be exciting. So, uh, but for now, we've got to go. We want to thank you guys for joining us. We want to thank Dee for joining us. And remember, we love you guys. Be sure to love yourself and the world will love you in return. But for now, we got to go. Bye. Bye.